Hey, what's going on, Clipper people? It is me, William the Opinion Updike, and I have no Chuck Mockler today, so joined by host of the Clipset Pod, ladies and gentlemen, it's Joseph Rye Ward. Hey, I'm back. Third time's a charm, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, anyways, we are going to be talking about Joseph's thoughts so far on the Mavericks series. Uh, the, the Clippers also had some press availability today, so we're going to kind of talk about some takeaways from that. There was uh, some bigger narrative stuff than there kind of has been from, from some of the other ones. So I thought that that was worth digging into. And then we're going to get into kind of a Mavs uh, weekend preview, sort of talk about what the Clippers need to do to get back in this series, sort of how we can avoid being embarrassed uh, and what might lead to said embarrassment. Uh, and then wrapping things up, we're going to kind of talk about sort of what the impact is going to be of the Clippers playing against the largest crowd, really, that they've played in front of in over a year. Uh, and sort of how that will impact things. And then we're going to end things on a positive note uh, in an homage to the Clipset podcast, which if you haven't checked it out yet, you should. They always do a track of the week, but we're going to do a pump up track that needs to be played on the team plane to get this thing going. So all that and more coming up right about now. But first, got to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our locked on rooms. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports you are locked on clippers your daily los angeles clippers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day okay so leading things off let's just kind of start with uh your thoughts on the on the series so far where where are you at man um it's been a disaster if I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> a complete and unmitigated disaster, unmitigated disaster for sure. Um, it definitely has not gone the way that I expected it to in the first two games. Um, basically, game one, I was like, OK, Dallas is hungry. The Clippers are old. It was, a late game. it was an early game, early game. Clippers haven't played in two weeks, basically, because the only other time they had played was the canoes for, you know, two straight games. So I was like, okay, whatever. They got that out of their system. There's no way that they're going to come out that soft again. And then they did. And then compound that with the Mavericks shoot, having the fifth best shooting night in NBA playoff history. Um, coming off of another shooting night where I was like, there's no way that's going to happen again. Uh, it has all um, compiled into really just the worst way this could have started. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I even felt like we got really good offensive performances in game two from both of our superstars, which yeah. we didn't we didn't see from both as much. Like they weren't terrible, but they weren't like, you know, they, they didn't even combine for 50 in that game one. Uh, mm -hmm. And in game two, I thought offensively they were about as sharp as they were going to be. And the role players, I mean, you would have expected more, I guess, out of Morris, but it, it wasn't like no one was like really bad offensively. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I that one was definitely a shocker. That one, whew, I don't know. That one, I I would say we were down bad on this podcast after that game too. <laughs> yeah, you were. It sounded like it. You were down bad for sure. We were we were going through it. Uh, so what? I mean, I know that everything is kind of trending downwards right now. People are rightfully so uh, a little upset with the way things have gone. But what what has been your biggest sort of positive surprise uh, through these two games so far? Honestly, it's it's the play of Nick Batum. It's love not, it. <laughs> the Batum Battalion is strong. Uh, we are very fired up. Um, we feel like he should have played more than 19 minutes in game two. Um, 
but just him being able to carry over this incredible regular season that he's had um, into the playoffs and being an, a positive impact player. I mean, plus minus isn't a be all end all, but he is a plus 13 over two games in two games where the Clippers lost. So um, he has definitely brought some positive things. He's five for 10 from deep. Um, and so his shooting being there. And I think defensively, he's one of our better options at this point among a bevy of bad options. Um, so just, to me, the, the Nick Batum minutes have been really a bright spot amongst um, an ocean of not very bright things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, too, I mean, it really shows like the difference in his veteran experience. I mean, I feel like at times he's one of the few people out there on the court who look like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like even just having that presence, I mean, it goes beyond like the box plus minus or whatever. Uh, it's something that, you know, is, is needed. Uh, my biggest positive surprise of this series, uh, I guess has just been how ready Kawhi has looked. I, you know, I yeah. really kind of had my questions, uh, especially like, as you alluded to not playing for, I mean, two weeks, essentially coming into this and, you know, we've heard, you know, we've heard the murmurings of, of the, the hand. And there's also a, there's what, there's a toe thing going on there too. A foot. I think it's a foot. A foot. Yeah. There's not, it's not a toe. It's a foot. I don't know. It's all the same. That's all one bone to me, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that like him just looking as ready as he has, uh, has definitely been huge. And like defensively, like if you look at, if you just look at the matchup numbers, uh, it's not like the most flattering um, right. but you know, you know, he's been swiping people, uh, you know, you can't, I, I forget who was talking about it on their podcast, but they were like, really nobody other than Lucas should try to dribble in front of Kawhi or like, he's just yeah. going to take the ball from you. Um, so I think that that's been really, really positive to see. Uh, and I don't really, I don't understand the conversation right now about how we're talking about maybe Kawhi was never that great. And maybe that he's not like that dude. Um, I think, I don't, I don't know, man. That's, that's not that's, what I, that's I've another seen. podcast. We can have a whole, we can have a whole discussion about, um, take culture and how we assign blame to stars when it's not really their fault. Yeah. That has just not been my takeaway so far. Uh, okay. So in a sea of, of negative, uh, you know, the, the stream of shit that the canoes are, are paddling through right now. Uh, what to you has been like the biggest kind of negative surprise or j just your biggest negative takeaway? The Clippers have no idea what they're doing defensively. Um, oh, absolutely. And it's, it's really been the most shocking, frustrating, like whatever negative feeling you've had about this series so far, it really comes down to the fact that they have either a very bad plan, which is probably a part of it, or they just don't know the plan well enough. Like I was, you know, texting with, with Justin Russo earlier and he was going through his film breakdown and he sent me a clip and like his text was try to figure out who made the biggest mistake here. And it was impossible because all five guys made a very glaring mistake that led to an open basket. And so just their inability to to really stop anything at all 
has been the biggest thing for me. Now, do you think it's like due to, I mean, maybe overthinking this thing? Like, I just think that the defense, like it looks different than than what we saw in the regular season. And I'm, I'm just not understanding why, you know, given all the continuity sort of absences, you're also going to try to like throw a bunch of new wrenches in the system. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Ty has done way too much. And if it's not Ty, then Dan Craig. Um, but whoever is controlling like the defensive schemes right now, um, they're just trying to do too much. And every conversation I've had online, offline, the same refrain is you can't stop everything all the time. And that's what it feels like they're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just seems like, and we'll talk about this later, but like, you got to just try to take away one thing, you know, like you're not going to stop Luca. Like he's a generation, generationally great player. And I don't want right. to take anything away from him on this podcast, but like you have to take away something you can't take right. away everything and especially not at once. So my biggest negative takeaway has been one that I'm, I'm guess I'm kind of surprised at, and it's just how thin we are at the guard. Um, yeah. I look, we, you know, we knew like we'd known about this, of course, uh, but we just have so many guys and kind of different looks that I thought somehow the pieces would fit together, but there are not a lot of guys at the guard that I'm, trusting to be on the floor right now uh yeah. i mean patrick beverly has been a negative in both games um and not just in the box score like he's looked it to the eye as far as i'm concerned uh you know rondo has been good his minutes were kind of cut in game two which i didn't fully understand man was one of the few adjustments that i did think was a step in a positive direction in game two uh, but Reggie, who I thought might be able to kind of turn things around from his playoff performance last year, I don't know why, uh, but I mean, you know, it's, it's not good that we, I, yeah. and at times we're running like two and three guards. Like this is a wing heavy team. I just don't really understand why we're putting out more at our weakest position. For sure. I think the, the Pat Bev injury sort of sapping some of his ability to be conditioned and like be sharp has really hurt. Um, I also think this is just the worst possible matchup for our guards right now. So like in the state that the Clippers are in, Luca is going to be on the floor for 40 minutes a night. And so that means you've got 40 minutes of a mismatch. If you have any guard on the floor at all, because he's six foot eight. And so, um, it's just been really tough The the, the guard play has been rough. Um, we can, you know, nitpick Pat Beverly's performance in both games. I think he was worse in game two than he was in game one. I'd agree. I thought game one, he was mostly fine other than his first stint. It's just, you can't ask him to do something that he's not equipped to do. And that's guard Luca, uh, which we found out very quickly at the beginning of this series. It's never uh, been successful for him though. Like in the regular season, yeah. go, dating back to last year, like it's, it, I mean, it's like you say, like Luca's too big. It's too much of a mismatch. Yeah. It's too much to ask. Yeah. And then, you know, just combine that with Rondo, maybe giving a little bit more defensively than the other two right now, even though I like Pat Pev on people who aren't named Luka Doncic. Um, he's just been so tentative offensively and has basically allowed the Mavericks to take him out of his game. Um, I felt that most in the second half of game two where he just, he wouldn't shoot the ball. And, you know, anytime he got the ball, the ball kind of stopped because he, he didn't really know exactly how to attack it. And then, We'll get into the presser recap, but that's something that really encouraged me was Ty pointing out that he needs to be more aggressive if he's going to be on the floor. So, Absolutely. Yeah, the, Absolutely. The so as Joseph rough. alluded to, we're going to be getting into this presser recap. But first, 
I got to take a second to tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Do you have a nut allergy, Joseph? Um, no, but I have a food pollen allergy. Okay. Well, I, I, I can't comment on the pollen status, but you're safe with Built Bar. Uh, the six new flavors include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, no pollen there, soft and easy to chew. <laughs> Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. So they're great for the keto diet. Uh, and right now they have a very special offer for our listeners. For a limited time, you can get a free cooler with purchase. This is only while supplies last. So you're going to want to get on it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so we're back and we're talking about the presser recap. Uh, we haven't talked so much about the press conferences so far through this series, mainly because a lot of it feels a little scripted to me. You know, we're getting yeah. a lot of the, the no concern, no problem. Hey, man, don't worry. Uh, so I, this one, there was a few things, I guess, that stuck out to me. Uh, Surge not being fully healthy. They said there was a flare up, which... I guess was interesting to me because he was working out after the game in which he only played five and a half minutes. Um, I, I, what, what do you think? Is it, is there anything to this or? So I think that the working out after the game was to see what his pain level was after some rest. So there was the, the play where he turned the ball over, I believe is the last play of the game. So surge is, is in the paint and he's open and he gets the ball. And he kind of puts it on the ground and he moves a certain way. And then he just kind of throws the ball away and doesn't and move very well after that. It was the back and, pain. Yeah. And so um, I definitely think he's not right. It definitely explains some of the limited mobility aspect. You know, he looked kind of good when he came back. And then this I week thought in off game one, to uh, yeah, I thought in game one, like all things considered, I, I mean, he looked pretty good. Still a little yeah, limited, um, a little hobbly. So, I mean, Ty, the, the, you know, really grim sentence was he's in a, he's in a good deal of pain is what he said when he was giving the surge update. So, um, I don't think we're going to see him in game three and that's kind of a big problem. Yes, I do think it's a big problem. I think that we kind of should have been prepared for that, like through the whole season, though. I mean, we had our questions on this show, and I'm sure you guys might have talked about it, too, about like whether he would even be available for the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, because we heard nothing from an update status. It took like, I swear it took until like, I mean, was it the same week that he played that he appeared in five on five, like full practice yeah. again? So mm -hmm. I wouldn't... I mean, with how long the timeline was, it's hard for me to say that it was a rush back. But like, I, I mean, I don't know if, you, if it's if it's already a question this early on, like maybe he just was never fully there, um, yeah. which is definitely going to be a detriment. Um, but I, I do think that like the center thing is something I'm a little less worried about, I guess, than I thought I would be, at least in this series. Yeah, this series for sure, there's going to be a lot more small ball. And while... There's a larger discussion to be had about how long you can actually do that. Um, it would be nice to have another sort of innings eater big off the bench that you can kind of rely on to 
do hard screens, rebounding, and can shoot a little bit. So he's, his absence is going to be felt, but we've, we've really played without him for three months. So yeah. um, there's not much to do there. Yeah, it just kind of might be where we're at. So I guess, I, I mean, like you talked about the small ball. We heard that there might be a change in, in the starting lineup. Very cheeky Ty Lue in this in this press conference. Uh, what do you make of that? It, it, do you want there to be a change in the starting lineup? Like what is your kind of ideal uh, sub, I guess, in that, in that situation? So I have a, I have a note on the, on the doc for later, but I'll just use it now. I want okay. the Clippers to, to set the dial to Wumbo. Okay. And the one change that I would do if it were me in charge is I would swap Pat with Nick Batum. So I wow. would just start the game ginormous. And that would be the lineup I played the majority of the game. And you keep as many wings on the floor as you can, you know, throughout the game. And you kind of like put in a guard here and there. And I would I would do Rondo for like the primary chunk of the guard minutes off the bench. And then I would do Pat in non-Luka minutes. And then I would have Terrence Mann be a reserve wing to kind of spell any wing that needs needs some time. And I'd just run an eight-man rotation. That's what I would do. I like it. I mean, I think that the 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 rotation definitely needs to be shortened. Uh, and I mean, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I mean, the guards to me have been, there's not a lot that like you're really trusting on the floor right now. So I think limiting right. that, uh, that sort of situation, and there's definitely a benefit to. Um, I guess I would maybe worry a little bit about like the forward depth on the bench, but I mean, like you can stagger enough at that point. It's also like, it's kind of do or die now. Like if you're yeah. not ready to pay, play 40, 42 minutes, like it ain't happening, man. I like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like that. I, yeah, I think the only, the only thing, like if I were to stray away from that and keep a, a guard in, I would maybe just go Rondo. I mean, like just go all in. Um, I'm sure that's what will happen. It's, you know, it's not ideal. And I don't think that the Rondo minutes on Luca will look as good, especially when it's like at the start and it's like Luca, like full strength. Um, but he did curb his his shot attempts uh, in the position in the possessions he was guarded by them, which is definitely a positive. I mean, it's kind of like the most you can hope to do. Um, but I, you know, I don't love it. Uh, but Pat is not ready, and I didn't think yeah. he'd. I, I didn't think he'd be ready. But I also didn't realize that Reggie would be. I mean, unplayable kind of in this series. Um, I, you know, I thought he had kind of turned a corner. Uh, or at least we had turned a corner sort of schematically in how we could use him uh, to yeah. not be as much of a net negative. Uh, Ty Lou talked about the Clippers looking to simplify. Uh, I, I mean, I'm hoping this honestly just means defensively. Where, where are you at yeah. on this? I agree. I wanted to ask him directly um, and unfortunately didn't get called on. So I might ask him about this pregame just to kind of clarify. Um, but he still did the the hot button, you know, we want to give him different looks and change things up, answer at the beginning of the presser. But then he said, you know, yeah, like we've got to simplify some of our coverages. So I am hoping, hoping that that is a defensive thing. So the Clippers do one thing and kind of stick to it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because offensively, I just feel like it's, I mean, it kind of just goes back to what we were successful with in the season, just increasing the number of the amount of paint touches and either getting to the basket or kicking the ball out. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, 
I don't know why it's been such a struggle. I, it wasn't as much in game two, but to score on this Mavs team, I thought in game one, the Clippers had a lot of difficulty. And I think it was yeah. the same thing where like, maybe they were just overthinking it. Yeah, for it did, sure. I mean, it didn't help that everyone shot like shit too, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely doesn't help when you're trying to score. Um, but the Mavs have gotten them flustered on both ends. And, you yes. know, credit to them. So leading into that, let's let's kind of talk about this weekend a little bit. Uh, what can the Clippers do to sort of get back in the series? You you alluded to setting it to Wumbo. Uh, you think it's just going going big, going going wings. I I think it's it's a combination of just going wings all the time when Luke is on the floor. Just be as big as you can, um, and then. I really think that the biggest adjustment the Clippers need to make is they need to treat Luka like Jokic. Mm. You can't let him do both. I love it. Only yeah. let him do one. If you're going to sell out and make him pass the ball, then you're just going to have to live with selling out and making him pass the ball, and you're going to have to do that every time. Yeah. Or let him score and make sure no one else on the team you know, scores Gets. at a reliable rate. Yeah. Um, do you have a preference between the two? I think you should let Luca score as many points as he wants. I, I yeah, I agree. Um, I think that just keeping his teammates out of rhythm is going to curb some of that like insane three point shooting that we've that we've been seeing. Um, you know, it, it just is what it is. If you know, if you can just limit his facilitating, keep him from getting everyone else going, and like make him do all the work, it you know, it also makes it it, it also makes it a little bit easier to exploit that mismatch on, on the defensive end, which we yeah. have not, like we, I don't think we've really taken enough advantage of while he's on the floor. For sure. Absolutely. Um, Luca needs to be hit at least 15 times a game with like a really hard screen. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely I mean, that just needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at you, Morris. <laughs> uh, so I guess the, I've been struggling with this. Like we've seen some, absolutely incredible like moments of play in this series. I mean, the Kleba dunk, uh, Paul George crossing up Chris Daffs into infinity. Like, yeah, it, it, we've even seen some like really great defensive, like some steals and some stops. Why can this team not seem to build any momentum? They're scared. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think it's a matter of Luca has been so transcendent, like particularly in game one, that they're just scared of all of the ways that this team can burn them. And so when, when you play that way and you also don't know what you're doing defensively, there's no way to stop the bleeding, right? Like you think about the first half of the game too, Kawhi and Paul George put together a super duper star first half, like together. Yeah. And we were up two. Yeah. At halftime. Like we should have been blowing them out. And the Mavs what were and Paul George oh, oh. did. Yeah, the Mavs were only hitting like 50% of their free throws. Like they were right. giving us points. Right. And then the Mavs came out and they punched us in the mouth again in the third quarter and we rolled over. You know, it's like the team didn't give up. The team tried to fight back, but you got to get stops if you want to build momentum. And we just haven't been able to do that because we're scared. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What role player to you is, is going to be key to kind of like to, to keeping the Clippers in this series? I mean, it's Marcus Morris. Yeah, it just is. Like it really, you know. You think about Marcus Morris's career, and the the line has always been: if you're relying on Marcus Morris to be a championship team, you're not a championship team. Like he's always been kind of inconsistent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think we need to see first round Dallas Marcus Morris from last year. Yeah. And I don't know physically if he's there, but that's what we need. We need a hard nosed, you know, good on ball defender who can hit shots. And that's, if he does that, we win, we win games. Um, yeah. and so I think it really kind of falls on him. Like we need a third guy offensively and it's gotta be him. Yeah. I didn't want to say this, but I, unfortunately, like with the guard situation to me, Rondo has become more important in these playoffs than I had ever would have hoped he would have to be, um, yeah. in a series. Um, he, yeah, he's just the place setter. He's like one of the few guys who, I mean, is seeing the game at a high enough level to somehow be a positive contributor, even when no one seems to know what they're doing, uh, on either end of the floor. And I, you know, it's, it's not a great, like, it's not a great sign to me that like, this is where I'm at, at at someone who needs (laughs) to step up, uh, that it's like this crucial, but it's kind of where we're at right now. So what's going on with your, what's going on with your son zoo? My, my large adult son, um, my beautiful boy, he, uh, he, he had a very good game one. And I know he got a lot of hate, I think sort of nationally because of all the shots that Luca hit over him, but he did exactly what he needed to do. He was in all the right spots. He contested every shot. He forced Luca to do something that superstars do, which is hit tough shots. That's all you can ask for. Right. And Everything he did well in game one, he did like horrifically in game two. He was lost. He looked like a baby giraffe. And the only thing he's got to do is shake it off and come back and just play hard. If he plays hard and he does what he's supposed to do, I trust his ability. But if he comes out and game two is in his head, he's unplayable. Like it's just, it's he's going to be unplayable. Do you think that that got to him sort of? like some of the backlash or, or or whatever from from that game one kind of I don't know man I mean I I wish I was a fly on the wall in like film sessions to hear whether or not he got it from the coaching staff mm-hmm. like oh you have to do you know you have to be even more perfect you know what I mm-hmm. mean yeah um it's either that or you know Luca rode the confidence and just toyed with him and it ruined his confidence um, For sure. which can happen or they changed up some more coverages and zoo was trying to figure out where the hell he was supposed to be that's what i thought I, I, like honestly like watching the game i was like zoo doesn't know where he's supposed to be like this is not what he normally looks like out there and yeah. I, like watching that game one um you know like in the moment i was not loving zoo like on luca with space but like you take a step back and like actually look at it and it's like he attempted six three-point attempts like almost all of them or at least four of the six were step backs and yeah. like he hit 50 percent of them i like i don't know what you do with that like i think that you live with that result uh, to be perfectly yeah. honest. And I you know, like, so there's not much better that, you know, like he could have really done uh, in that game one. For sure. Um, just real quick. One thing I want to say about percentages that I think we all kind of fall into is like when someone shoots 40%, that doesn't mean every night they're making four out of 10 of those shots. So right. when you exactly. say like live with it, okay, he hit 50 tonight. That means at some point he's going to hit 30, 20, 10% of whatever he's taking. So keep giving him a, a diet of difficult shots instead of easy ones. 
Absolutely. And that's kind of one of those things like, can the Clippers stay in this series long enough for the law of averages to kind of swing back the other way? Uh, so we're going to talk about, we're going to talk more about this series and sort of what could lead to a Clippers embarrassment. But first, got to tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football over college basketball, Dunzo. But the NBA, NHL, WNBA, and the MLB are all in full swing. But Bet Online just doesn't cover sports, they cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so we're back, and we're just talking about sort of, I guess, the bad stuff now that could happen. We, uh, we talked about this a little bit. Um, last segment, so we won't super go over it again, but you think like of limiting the, the scoring or facilitating of Luca, it, it seems most important to limit the facilitating, right? Yeah, for He's sure. He's going to score either way. Yeah, exactly. So you either allow him an easy path to getting his teammates involved or you don't. And I would rather you don't <laughs> because he's going to get his points. I, I just love the effect too of like everyone not getting constant touches on the ball. Like it's going to yeah. fuck with you. It's going right. to mess with you. Um, right. So I, I think that I, I absolutely agree. I think that you, you, he's a transcendental scorer. Like it's, it's just going to happen. You have to, you have to eliminate his, his facilitation. So For sure. what to you right now? Uh, I mean, I think we're both going to say the same thing, but like, what is the clip's most glaring weakness coming into the, this next game three? Uh, defensive game plan. They don't know. What oh, they're yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too complicated. What, like what they're is doing it? is too complicated. It's, what is it? It's a soft trap and then overcommit on the, on the help? Like, I don't really understand what it is. It's, okay, everyone on the floor, your job tonight is to stop the other five guys that are on the floor. And every single one of you has to do it to every single one of them. And, like, that's what it feels like is I need yeah. you to stop everything all the time, which is impossible. Allow like, nothing. Yeah, exactly. We're going to show them out game three, zero. dude. Look, we're going to look like idiots. <laughs> it's it's going to be 100 to a zero, and we're going to look so dumb. Oh, they figured it out. They just needed more reps doing this stop everything defense. Yeah. So, I mean, a big thing that we've talked about sort of all season or like being excited for the, the head coaching change to Ty Lue has been these adjustments. Where are you at with what we've seen so far? Um, to steal, I think Lucas Hans take, um, which is something I do very well. Um, he has overcoached, I think these first two games, I would agree. I think that he, the, the key to the turnaround was simplifying everything. And he, he took this week off and was like, all right, man, I got enough time. We're going to do everything, you know, and that's really going to throw him off. And maybe it would have, if we had done it well. Yeah. You know what I mean, like I think about it and I'm like, maybe all of these like different looks would have thrown Luca off balance if we had, if we had executed. And I just don't think that this team can execute that kind of frantic manic like game plan. Um, yeah, I I'm with you. It just has to be like, it just has to be one or the other. Like if we're, yeah. if we're doing like the frantic different looks on Luca, okay, great. But then like 
everyone else needs to like a simple defensive game plan. Not like yeah. they're going to have to like commit on every other possession or you know, like, I just, yeah. it, it's, it, it just feels to me. And I've said this, like I, I said this about game one too. Like it still feels to me like a rough draft. Tyloo is, you know, been banging this thing out late at night and uh it, it needs a couple eyes of just editing like just sometimes yeah. you just gotta cut it down a little bit which For is sure. great it, it's great that we're hearing that like you know they they are seeing that as well um the other thing i guess that's been killing me is uh just the defensive rebounding like we have been mm. doubled up on second chance points by the mavs in both games and this is not a team that's shooting poorly it's not like they're getting a lot of offensive rebounds is right. the thing like that's the thing that kills me is that like there's not like a whole lot of opportunities and they're still able to get them and this has been an issue in the clippers closing out games all season when games are in, you know, the clutch, which I hate the stat, but whatever. That's that to me has been a glaring weakness. For sure. And it's really frustrating, particularly because the Clippers were so good at it in the aggregate all season. You know, they ranked in the top 10 and um offensive rebounding percentage allowed, meaning they allowed, you know, the top 10 fewest in that. Um a lot of the confidence I had coming in was all this peripheral stuff that I thought the Clippers did really well. But then when you really look at it, you know, these, these small ball lineups, you know, trying to go up against teams that do have traditional bigs in, in crunch time, they have struggled in, in securing rebounds and all of that stuff. Um, and the, and the boxing out has been a problem and just knowing what they're doing has really been an issue. And I think part of that comes from on-court chemistry. And I think part of that just comes from, I don't know, it feels kind of like haphazard most of the time. Like they're yeah. trying to do something that they kind of remember Ty saying that we got to do, but they haven't done it enough to really master it. You did half the reading for class. Like you didn't completely blow it off. You did, you did half the reading. Uh, right. But now you're really trying to make a strong argument about it. And uh, it's yeah. going south. Exactly. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so what would you like to see more of from, from Ty Lue from an adjustment perspective? Um. More Batum minutes. I think Love it. riding your horses more, I think not Kawhi and Paul George because he's ridden them pretty hard, but just riding the guys you know you can lean on. Um, more wings. And I really just think the Clippers need to stay home. We've been, we've been circling around it, but let Luca go one-on-one. Stop you know the soft switching or whatever. Stick to your man everywhere else. And if he scores a tough basket, he scores a tough basket. But you're not going to let something easy happen. So that's Absolutely. what I want to see. Absolutely. All right. So I guess the last, like the last real thing I want to talk about is the Mavs have not been an exceptional home team as we head back into Dallas. Their road record and their home record were identical, about that 58 percentage, uh, which, you know, they did have their, I think they had the second most sort of COVID misses of players and stuff yeah. next to the Celtics. So that certainly is a factor. Um, I, uh, so I guess, what are your thoughts? Like, do we see Dallas looking different um, at home in the playoffs? And sort of what is the impact to you of the largest team or the largest fan base that the Clippers have played in front of in, I mean, over a year? Um, I'm terrified of it. Um, but I'm also, this is going to sound crazy. I'm also super excited about it because I kind of feel like Clippers have played their best when they've not necessarily the villain role, but the underdog when they've been counted out is when they've played the best. So maybe the anxiety of Clipper nation, which was very present in game two, I was there 
every time the Clippers are in one of these games where it's close and they're kind of behind, the arena goes quiet. Everybody yeah. gets anxious and you can feel it. And so I know that they feel it too. So maybe feeding off of the hatred of the Dallas faithful will kind of propel them to, to get their shit together. I, I mean, I love that. I, you know, I looked at that series that, I mean, we'll remember for the rest of our lives in 1819. And like the only two wins that kept the Clippers going against the Warriors were both at Oracle. Uh, right. And I think that there is something about that that's like in the identity of this team. And I also think, yeah, it would be the most Clippers thing ever to lose both home games and then win both Dallas games. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that that will happen, but I mean, it would truly be the most Clippers thing ever to me. Yeah, just because then we would get the, we're in the driver's seat quote from Paul George again. That's really what we would get. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love driving. Love being in the driver's seat. Um, <laughs> we're all going to be sitting on Paul George's lap driving this baby to the Larry OB. If only. Uh, if only. <laughs> All right, so talking about going back to Dallas, we're going to end this on like a positive note. I want you to pick a player uh, and a song that they will play on the team plane to get these guys to, to write the ship, to get everybody pumped up and going. What's the player? What's the track? So here's, here's what I think happens. They're already in Dallas. Okay, so the plane rides happen. I think it was a very quiet plane ride. You know, they're all somber. Tomorrow afternoon, they all load up in the team bus. And they're all listening to, you know, whatever Kawhi wants to listen to because Kawhi is a music aficionado. <laughs> and everybody's vibing to his his sick tracks. Uh, they, they listen to the whole project that Kawhi just produced. Oh, love it. And all of a sudden, in the back of the bus, you know, you hear footsteps. And a lone man walks to the front of the bus and he unplugs the aux cord and everybody loses it. What are you doing? We're getting ready for the game. And he says, listen here, guys, I got something that you need to hear. And Luke Kennard reaches into his back pocket. He pulls out his iPod classic. Ooh. He scrolls down to LL Cool J in his artist pile. And he says, this is what you need. And plays, mama said, knock you out. By LL Cool J. I love it. I love it. And then it's perfect. Ty Lue break dances at the front of the bus and everybody <laughs> gets fired up. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Yours is way more dramatic than mine. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that, so Paul George wants to play a song and normally they kind of don't really, they, they don't they really don't like let Paul's him get vibes. The, they don't let him no. get the ox cord. You know, sometimes right. he's like, he's kind of taking the whole thing off the rails and people are kind of like, yeah, man, I don't know about this. Uh, but they, they give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and he's like, this is a song that I used to listen to in Palmdale. Really got me through some rough times. Plugs it in, instantly fires up freaking the replacements, Bastards <laughs> of Young. And he's air guitaring <laughs> that opening riff. <laughs> Uh, and everyone is kind of like, everyone is semi embarrassed of what he's doing, but they, they like the sentiment, you know? Right. Uh, right. resets well, the vibes. It resets the vibes. And it just seems the replacements are the clippers of bands. So I feel like it's, hmm. uh, it's, it's analogous. Okay. It's a good take. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to run with that one. That's good. I like that. 
All right. So before we get out of here, where can these people check out your work, check out your thoughts, check out what you're doing? If, uh, if you don't already, uh, you should listen to the Clipset podcast. We are available anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Clipset Pod. You can follow me on Twitter. It is my full name. I apologize for making you type in 15 characters, but it is at Joseph Rye Award. Um, I will retweet this. So if you're listening to this and you want to follow me, just click on that. Uh, follow my co-host, Brian Cullen. I don't, I think his middle initial is in there. I think it's Brian S. I think Cullen. It's, S, it's, yeah, Brian S. Cullen. Yeah, you can follow him on Twitter too. Um, yeah, if you we really appreciate all the support we get. So, absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been William the Opinion Updike. It's Locked on Clippers. We come at you five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific. We'd love to have your listen. Hey, we appreciate you. Have a great time.